Thank you, praise team. And uh, I guess I, I thought of you guys' names. You can be Becky and Moore. And uh, oh, that was bad. I can count on you, D. Uh, nobody else will laugh. I, I told a joke Wednesday night. Nobody laughed. And Harold said, well, if D would have been here, she would have laughed. And so I appreciate that. And uh, Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Lord, thank you for this... um, great passage from Isaiah. And Lord, although this is now the sixth week that we've read this passage, I still want to hear it again. (laughs) I love what the prophet Isaiah is saying to us. This isn't just some ancient text to an ancient people, but this is relevant to us today. All of us, all of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us need a Savior. None of us can do it on our own. And we're thankful for the the suffering servant. We're thankful for Jesus because Jesus has reconciled us to God. But Lord, in this reconciliation, He's shown us a different way to live. Help us as we move through this this section of, of Isaiah 53 as we talk about waiting, Lord, to hear what your Spirit would have us hear. And Lord, to understand uh, that, that a lot of things happen, even in our waiting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, like I say, it's, it's the sixth week of this series, this Rethink series. And, and we, we've been talking about, we've been rethinking. We, we've been uh, considering life. And, and rethink is not, okay, I need something new. But, but all of us need times in our life where we stop and we consider our life. Uh, there, there's the danger of drift. There's the danger of familiarity, uh, blindness, that, that we can be in a situation. We can stop seeing life as it really is. And we can become comfortable in life. And, and so it's important that we have seasons like this. Lent is an important season. This 40-day period before Easter to, to stop and reflect on how Jesus lived. And if Jesus lived in that way, how should we live? And, and so we've been considering our life. And we've talked about wisdom and success. And, and Jesus had a different ideal of wisdom and success than, than we do sometimes. Sometimes we think wisdom and success is about having the big office, doing things our way. And, and to Jesus... Wisdom, success, was finding himself fully in the will of the Father. Uh, We've talked about power. And oftentimes we see power as getting our way and and, and achieving and and being able to stand on our own. 
And Jesus saw power as submission. Being uh, submitted to the will of the Father. Uh, you know, the, the, the arm of the Lord, the right arm of the Lord, the power of the Lord is not revealed in destructive power, but in redemptive suffering. <laughs> it's a completely, it's a mind-blowing thing when you begin to see that Jesus reflects the nature and the power of God. And this nature and power of God is submitted to, through love for His people. We talked about identity or reputation and, and who we see ourselves as. And, and Jesus is referred to as the servant, a servant. And, 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 and as the son has a different identity. And, and so we, we need to consider our identity. How, how do we see ourselves? Are we going to allow other people to deter, determine our identity? Or are we going to allow God to set our identity? We talked about suffering. And, and there's so many in this, this room that's going through or have been through suffering. And uh, I saw Nancy McClurg at some point. I think Nancy, you know, Jim's near the end. And uh, this is a hard time. There's suffering in this. And, and uh, we're praying for Nancy. And, and Nancy's not the only one. There's so many in this room that have been through hard times. And it seems like it's almost seems like it's overwhelming in our church at this point. And so suffering's real. And, and how can our suffering be redemptive? And, and, and we've talked about how in our suffering, sometimes it draws us to our knees. Not, not that God causes all the suffering, but God can use the suffering you're going through to draw you closer to him. We use the phrase that, that Darlene Walters often used, that Jesus lives close to the floor. And I love that phrase because I think it's true that oftentimes in my life, I found during the hard times, when I pay attention to Him, when I pay attention to God, when I seek Him, I find Him. And we can bear others' burdens and, and suffer with people. And then we, last week we talked about death. And uh, Jesus' death reconciled us to the Father. I, I'm not sure if I understand the mystery of the cross completely, but I'm thankful for, for the effect of the cross. Uh, you are not saved by works. You're not saved by your own righteousness, but you are saved by grace and faith in Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. And, and so we can rest in that. We can rest in what God did through Jesus Christ is complete. It is finished. And you can live secure, <laughs> in the hand of God, through faith, by the grace of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about waiting. Uh, no one likes to wait. Who goes to a restaurant and you put your name in and they say, okay, the wait's only going to be 10 minutes. You say, can you make it 45 minutes instead? You know, I really want to sit out here at Bob Evans a little bit longer on these hard benches and wait, and, and you know, maybe I'll wait outside where it's colder. Nobody likes to wait. Uh, you know, we, we don't like to wait for repairmen. We, we don't like to wait for the cable guy to come. <laughs> no one likes to wait. And yet waiting is a big part of life. As a matter of fact, I would say probably, <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to assign a percentage, but I, I would say more than half of our life is assigned to waiting, isn't it? Waiting is an important thing, and, and how we wait is important. Isaiah 53, 9 talks about the waiting of the suffering servant. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. I don't know about you folks, but to, to be assigned a grave is assigned a level of permanence. <laughs> You know, this isn't a temporary thing. This wasn't just a waiting room. This was something that seemed, appeared to be permanent. And there was this waiting in Jesus. Now, now there's a lot of things that I think we do a good job of, of celebrating in the church. Um, as as an, a Nazarene pastor, I, it, was, it was weird growing up because we always, it seemed like we always went from Palm Sunday, you know, and it was, woo! Palm Sunday, you know, his Lord, to Easter. <laughs> you know, because we weren't very liturgical as I was growing up. I, I grew up in small Nazarene churches, and we didn't typically have Good Friday services. I don't know how you guys were raised, but a good portion of my life, it seemed like I went from Sunday, Palm Sunday, to Easter. And, and the Holy Week was not celebrated, was not remembered like it should have been. 
In the past few years as a, as a pastor and, and, and as, I've, as I've matured, as I've become more aware maybe, I've had a better awareness of, of Good Friday. And it, it seems like I've celebrated Good Friday, participated in more Good Friday services in the last 10 years than I did in the first 20 years of my life. Okay, no, it's more than that, 45 years of my life. But it seems like I, and, and particularly here, we, we have, well, and, and Trenton as well, but here we, we have a community Good Friday service, and I've participated every year. It's a great time. All the churches come together, and, and, and this year it'll be at noon at First Presbyterian, and so I invite you to come out. And then we try to do some things for, for Good Friday as well. We, we've had the Journey to the Cross uh, the last few years, and, and this year we're having a, a Monday uh, Thursday, like a Passover-like uh, meal on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Can you say that with me? Thursday night, 7 p.m. want you to come out as we stop and reflect. And so I think we, we do a pretty good job of, of celebrating as a church uh, Good Friday, the cross. We, we do a pretty good job of, of celebrating Easter Matter of fact, I think we, we really celebrate Easter. We celebrate Easter every time we gather. But there's a period between Good Friday and Easter Sunday called Holy Saturday. Uh, in our tradition, in my tradition, that, that has not been something that we have really talked about a lot. Uh, last year, Pastor Bob uh, preached on I don't think I've preached one single message in my entire ministry on Holy Saturday, but, but I think it is a significant concept, a significant part of who we are, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to understand Holy Saturday. What is that? Well, well, well the, the scripture says that Jesus, he was arrested on a Thursday, and um, late, early Friday morning, and crucified, tried through the night, illegal activity. All, all the trial of Jesus, you realize, was done in an illegal way. <laughs> uh, but he was tried. Uh, he, he, was, he was convicted of what? <laughs> what? What did it say on the cross? Jesus was convicted of being the king of the Jews. Uh, and he was crucified for being the king of the Jews. As a lawyer, I've always been fascinated in, 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 in this aspect of it because I, I truly believe that in every way, Jesus was not just figuratively the king of the Jews. Jesus was the king of the Jews. Uh, when you read the scriptures, you have um, all these instances where people became kings, and, and you know how they became kings? The Holy Spirit anointed them. And the people accepted him. <laughs> and so the Sunday prior to this, Jesus comes into Jerusalem on the first day of the week. And the people are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were saying, you are king. And Israel is a vassal kingdom. They, they're controlled by Rome. And, and Rome, the Roman uh, the Roman authority in, in a trial manner said, this is the king of the Jews. So, so Jesus, literally king of the Jews, is arrested and crucified for being the king. He, he's crucified for this. And, and, and he dies. And, and since Sabbath would begin at, at, at dark on Friday night, they, they're, they're concerned. They want to get him off the cross. And so they break the other thieves' legs, but Jesus is already dead. And so they take him from a cross and, and put him in a tomb. They don't completely prepare his body, but they put him in a tomb and leave him until the Sabbath is over. Jesus is in the tomb for three days. He is in the tomb on Friday. He's in the tomb on Saturday, the entire Saturday. And then sometime early on Sunday, Jesus is ro rises from the dead. God, I can't say it. God resurrects Jesus, okay? 
sometime early Sunday. Now, some theologians, some historians think thinks it's really early. I, I heard a, a guy from, from a university up in Chicago, and, and, and his, his feeling was because they can't recognize Jesus, it's because the garden's still dark, and, and, and the Sabbath would have ended at the first light, the first star. So after midnight sometime on that Sunday morning, uh, that would have been the third day. And, and, and his position was as soon as God could have rose him from the dead, he would have done it. And so that's why you have this problem of seeing Jesus, because it's perhaps still dark in the garden, and they're there as soon as they can get there. So there's Friday, there's Saturday, and there's Sunday. Two partial days and a full day. And the Saturday, this full day, is interesting. It's essential. You know, why is there a Saturday? Why, why is there this Sabbath of Jesus remaining in the tomb? Why, why didn't God just raise him from the dead immediately? Why the wait? Waiting is part of the journey to resurrection. Jesus waited, and we wait. I don't think I've ever quoted a pope my entire ministry, but I'm going to quote one this morning. Pope Benedict XVI says, The more I reflect on it, the more Holy Saturday seems to be fitting for the nature of our human life. We are still waiting for Easter. We're not yet standing in the full light, but walking toward it in full trust. In other words, as followers of Jesus, we live in this state of complete and incomplete. We live in the fulfill, fulfillment of the promise and the, and the realization that the promise is yet to be fully revealed and realized in our life. We are waiting for something to happen. We, we see, as Paul says, we see through a glass darkly. We believe, we know it's happened, we trust, but we know that there's more to come. Aren't you thankful there's more to come? As I've been journeying through the Bible this year, it's, it's been kind of a, I don't know, I, I've seen stuff I hadn't seen in the past for whatever reason. And um, I'm thankful that God still teaches me things. Aren't you? You know, I'm glad when I read the Bible, I don't go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. But every once in a while, he smacks me right in the side of the head and says, you hadn't seen that before, have you? See, see, our God's bigger than us, and, and, and he's still teaching me things and, you know, in my study, and I, and I hope he is you as well. But I've been going through the Psalms right now. I'm in the Psalms. And the Psalms, so much of the Psalms seems to be connected with waiting. Read them. There's so much waiting in the Psalms. And it seems to me, just, just a generalization, as I consider the Psalms, there, there, there seems to be two types of waiting. Sometimes the psalmist is waiting for God to speak. It's like God is silent and they can't hear anything from God. And it feels like they're on an island all by themselves. Anybody ever been there? God, why won't you say something? People are accusing. I'm going through this. This is going on. And it seems like you're not even here, God. The truth of it is that, that most of us, all of us, go through times in our life where it feels like God's not speaking into our circumstances. Amen? So there's waiting for God to speak, waiting for, for God to, 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 to move and be present or more fully present. And then there's times where God's speaking, but we're still waiting. You know, we, we sense his presence. We, we, we sense God, God has it. We don't feel abandoned. We don't feel alone. But, but yet we need God to do something. Anybody ever been there? And so there's this period of waiting that you see throughout the Psalms. And not just the Psalms, but the Bible is story, and, of story after story of people waiting for God. And even now, we are waiting for God. We're waiting for God to move in our world. Man, we live in a mixed up, messed up world, 
Amen? <laughs> and we're waiting for God to do something. And, 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 and I, I believe personally God needs to intercede in, in a particularly special way or we're in trouble. You know, we're not going the right way in, in our culture. And we need God to intercede. And I, I think God wants to intercede. And, you know, some people believe that means God's going to return. And if he does, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But he may want to come through his church. Can I, can I say something that may be kind of sharp to the church? Sometimes we'd rather Jesus just to come and take us out than come and use us as he wants to use us. Because to come and take us out is easier than truly being the church empowered and used by God in a a non-Christian, ugly culture. That wasn't in my notes, so I I may not use that next service because you guys are kind of giving me stink eye now. No, you're not. There's this waiting. Romans 8, 22 through 23 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we walk eagerly for, wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemptions of our bodies. In other words, that all of creation... From the fall of man, from the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, all of creation has been crying out, eagerly waiting for God to redeem what has fallen. So there's waiting that's part of all of life. Jesus foresaw his waiting. He talks about the three days. He talks about the sign of Jonah. You know, Jesus knew that in going to the cross, not only was he going to die, but there was going to be a period of waiting for God to raise him from the dead. And so on the cross, Jesus, one of the last things recorded Jesus says is, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so in so doing this, Jesus is committing himself to waiting. I am going to wait for you. He understood that there would be waiting in that. And in waiting, we commit our spirits into the hands of the Father. You know, it's interesting that Holy Saturday is Sabbath. Sabbath. You know, we, 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 we think of Sunday as Sabbath, but, but, but in the Old Testament times, in the Old Testament period, Sabbath was not Sunday. This is the first day of the week, and, and we gather and worship on Sunday because Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. But if it's not Sabbath, Sabbath is Saturday, the days you go to soccer games and basketball games and baseball games and run like crazy, okay? That's Sabbath. And it's interesting that Holy Saturday occurs on a Sabbath. I, I, I'm convinced, and, and, and you gotta be, you've got to be careful here, because at the time of Jesus, Sabbath was this, was this thing that um, had become this legalistic thing that they were doing, that, that, that they thought that if they could keep this perfect Sabbath, they could usher in the, second, the, the first coming of Messiah, that they, they could usher in God's kingdom. And, and so there was this belief that Sabbath was the mo, almost the most important thing. That's why Jesus has so much conflict with the Sabbath observation. But, but I think it's not the, the legalistic approach to Sabbath that's important. And the importance of Sabbath is not just the day, but the ability to wait for God. You know, we live in a wait, deprived, what's, what's, we, we, we struggle with waiting, right? You're, you're struggling with waiting for me to finish that sentence. You know, waiting's not in our DNA. We're, we're people of action. And we like people of action. You know, we go to the doctor, we want a diagnosis. Now, well, let's wait and see. 
You know, when, when we interview for jobs, we want an answer. When, 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 when we go to the store, we want the stuff to be there and not have to wait. Who does Amazon Prime so you can get stuff immediately? And now Amazon has the stuff that they'll drive it right out to your house. How many will go home and cook a four-hour meal? Or how many will eat something a lot quicker than that? Praise the Lord for microwave ovens, right? Spencer, in the olden days, you had to put a pizza in the stove for like 45 minutes. I know. I, I live like in the Stone Ages. We don't like to wait. And we live in a culture that, that doesn't, doesn't value waiting. Now, when we wait, there's three things that I, that I think happens. And that, number one, we acknowledge that God's timing is always right. That, that sometimes our timing can be off a little bit, but God's timing is always right. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says this, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. In other words, and I think about, I wonder about weird things. I, I know, you, you know, I wonder why, why did God do things this way and why did Jesus come at this time? But, but you look at the timing of Jesus and it was just perfect. It, it was perfect for us because what was going on in the world allowed the gospel message to spread. And so God picked the perfect time in history, I believe, to send his son to redeem the most people he could redeem. God's timing is always right. And God's way and timing is better than our way and our timing. Can, can I be honest enough to say that's a hard one for me to stomach at times? Anybody else like me that thinks, if God would just listen to me, everything would be so much better, right? We all have that tendency to think, well, I've got the perfect plan if I could just get God to buy into it. <laughs> God's way is better than my way. Isaiah says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then finally, God will always keep his promises. Can you say that with me? God will always keep his promises. You know, there's a lot of people in the world that don't keep their promises. I've been burned a lot of times. Have you ever been burned by somebody that didn't keep their promises, right? And, and so we all experience that, but God always keeps his promises. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord is faithful. God will finish what he starts. And, and he is faithful. What makes Waiting possible? Faith is essential to waiting. And the truth is, God calls us to faith. And so faith is this essential thing, and faith is this thing that's developed in our waiting. And so it's in our waiting that God builds us into the people he wants us to be. So what are you waiting for? There's things I'm waiting for. What are you waiting for? And how are you waiting? You know, I've said it and I'll say it again. I hate to wait. I do. You guys, I've been your pastor now almost four years, and you know how kind of how I am. Uh, if... If I'm not moving, if we're not doing something, it, it's hard for me, and, and I hate to wait. Uh, Spencer knows how I am at the drive-thru. Yeah. For, for some reason at McDonald's, for, for, the, for a long time, 
I was the guy that they always may pull forward. Don't you hate that when they say, well, you pull forward and like car after car behind you leaves and all you're waiting for is French fries? And in my mind, I'm thinking, those people aren't getting French fries? <laughs> no, don't judge me. You do the same thing. I hate to wait. T Terry and I are going through a, a period right now where we're having to wait for something. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard. I, I don't like to wait. I, I, I want to know that the worst thing's waiting. You know, go, you go to the doctor and, and you wait for the results. Isn't that worse? I, I don't like to wait. But waiting's part of life. You know, when, when I preach sermons, I, I like to have... <laughs> at my sermon, uh, an action point. What, what, what's something that I can do to take this sermon home and apply it, right? Don't, don't you want that? Don't, don't you want to be able to say, okay, here's God's word, and now here's what I'm going to do. We kind of think like that. Do something. But this is an invitation to wait and trust. There's people in this room that are going through deep, dark times. Um, wait. Wait. God is faithful. God's timing is right. And God will finish what he starts. We're going to play if um, video will work. And then Pastor Bob's going to close us in. We've seen this before, but we'll see it again. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's asleeping. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning. What has happened to their king? And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has come. And Satan just laughed. It's Friday. 
Jesus is buried. A soldier stands God and a rock is rolled into place. But it's fried. It is only fried. Sunday is a coming. Father for Sunday. But we can't forget the cross. Oh, what love that you would care and then die for us when we were rebellious and fighting against you. You loved us. And when we finally saw your love and realized your love, it drew us to yourself. How amazing. And now, Father, we're waiting again for Jesus we know that he has promised to come again to receive us unto himself that where he is there we will be also eventually he's coming back to earth to rule and to reign and we're going to be with him the bride of heaven Wow. Lord, we need to make a difference in our world. And we can't do it by sitting around doing nothing. Open our eyes to the possibilities of, of action, things that we can be doing today and this week in our lives now people that we can be touching over whom we have some kind of influence that will listen to what we have to say may we not just talk about the weather but about you and the hope that springs eternal within us that this isn't all there is to life Our Sunday's coming too. When we'll have new bodies and be able to serve you forever. And the reality is that we have to wait. And it is in the waiting that we prove to be faithful. It is in the waiting that we find that our faith is strengthened. It is in the waiting that we hope to see what you have prepared for those who love you that our minds can't conceive. <laughs> Father, we, we lift to you today all the burdens that are being carried by everyone, each one who is here today, who's part of our church family. Your word invites us to cast all of our care on you because you care for us. The word also tells us to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of love. And so we intercede on behalf of those who have needs today and are waiting for the answer that's on its way. The 
course that we've sung is that we believe the answer's on the way that you've heard us pray and we're not going to cast away our confidence. Thank you for the answers that are on their way. Now, Lord, as we begin this holy week, help us to be mindful of, this, of its significance, even to us today. And one of these days, we'll see you face to face and tell the story saved by grace. And Jesus, it's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen and amen. God bless. See you next week.